all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Did you like the Christian? I planned that one out. I'm sure you did. (laughs) Another new one. Yes. I keep wondering how many variations there will be. Mm, Many, many. Apparently it's going to be endless. Yes, we've made it to episode, this is episode 56. Wow, is it really? Yeah. Jeez, okay. So I don't think I've been doing it the whole time. If I'm not mistaken, I wasn't really doing it in the very beginning. I don't think so. And then it, like, became a thing later. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, housekeeping, rate, review, rescribe, per use, all the social meds, at allbadthingspod, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, at gmail.com and .com. I like Insta Twitter. Maybe they'll maybe they'll merge one day. Insta tw- then it would be a monopoly, a social media monopoly. Kind of already is. Yeah. Well. But oh well. <laughs> um, not a ton of housekeeping. Keep in touch. We like it when you do. We got um, several comments from millennials who said that they found your blind joke last <laughs> week funny. <laughs> I disagree, but okay. <laughs> I know Quinn hit me up. Yes. <laughs> so thank you, Quinn, and, and, for being uh, in my corner. And Michael from Down Under. Oh, okay. Our friend from Australia, yes. So when, when, Quinn, when Quinn first sent me that tweet, I didn't know what he was talking about because I kind of forgot that I had said it. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I listened to it. And I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> the blind school being next to the prison here in Raleigh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fence. Yes, that was, that was very cute. <laughs> Um, we also heard from Sarah Q, our Orthodox Jew from NYU, uh, who we actually, I've forgotten about this, but in our first episode of Chernobyl, we were talking about, remember, Chernobyl was initially like highly populated by, I believe, Orthodox Jewish people? Yeah, something like that, yeah. yes. Yeah. We were, we were like... We asked, we were like, well, Sarah Q will tell us, mm-hmm. you know, about, and she made, I'm going to have to ask her if it's okay for me to put this up on our, um, on our meets. but she made us an entire chart of Judaism. Okay, I see that. <laughs> that we should probably keep nearby because it comes up at a, an odd amount of times. Would be our Judaism reference. But she, she calls it a simplified spectrum of Ash, Ashkenaz, is that, have you, I've heard Ashkenazi or Ashkenazi. Ashkenazi, maybe? I, I I should have looked that up before. Jewish sects as understood in North America. And then she has <laughs> some disclaimers here. <laughs> like, spectrums are limiting, and not everyone who practices Judaism will fit into one of these categories. But it's it's very helpful. It shows a spectrum of less practicing to more practicing. I like how she puts circles. Yeah, she puts Modern she Orthodox is. and me. Yeah, that's where, that's where Sarah Q is. Um, so unaffiliated from, so we're going from less practicing to more practicing, unaffiliated, humanistic, reform, reconstructionist, conservative, conservadox. Oh, that's a nice portmanteau. And orthodox, um, which of orthodox, modern orthodox is the least practicing, followed by heredity, which is a new term for me. Sure. And then Hasidic. So I guess Hasidic Judaism is the most practicing when when i roughly according to this when i lived in rochester they have a very rochester new york mm-hmm. um there's a pretty big jewish population there and i saw i believe correct me if i'm wrong sarah q mm-hmm. i believe the hasidic jews are the ones that have like the long the curls yes on the, along the side they're I, like I curl so. sideburns yeah and they wear like a, a the hat, hat and yeah. like black black clothing, suit with yeah. white shirt i saw i saw those type of people Okay, so there was, a strong, there was a strong um, Hasidic Jewish presence in. Uh, if that's, that's I'm pretty sure that's. I feel what like they you are. might. Yeah. I feel like you might be right too. Um, Plus, there there were a lot of um, uh, some friends of mine who were teachers. There were a lot of Jewish schools in the area that mm. went by the the Jewish calendar. Okay. So, mm-hmm. as far as like a, uh, 
holidays and yes. stuff like that. Like Rosh Hashanah mm-hmm. and um, Hanukkah. <laughs> Hanukkah. There we go. Pass- Passover. Passover. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Passover. Um, I think. What am I missing? <laughs> I need to know. Lashana Tova, everybody. <laughs> we'll we'll end our Judaism discussion <laughs> with that then. <laughs> so thank you, Sarah Q. Um, all right. I think we might be ready to go. What do you think? Let's let's roll. All right. Well, we have to disclaim that usually the topics are a surprise to you, but not this week. I spilled the beans. Yes. Because um, we were we got in the car a few days ago, and um, Pompeii by Bastille came on the radio, and I said, I can give you a big hint about this week's episode, and you got it right away. (laughs) (laughs) Because of what was playing. So... So, so, uh, no alarms and no surprises. Exactly. This week. Exactly. You you do... To to quote Radiohead. Yes. Um, So, this... The week... This week's topic (laughs) is... As you might have guessed. The eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Yes. So... Um, for, which I'll get into, there has been more than one eruption of Mount Vesuvius. This is the one we all know of, which is, you know, the, the famous one, the Pompeii and Herculaneum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from August 22nd to August 24th, 79 CE, also known as AD. I was going to say, we'll go, I, we'll go into that in a minute. I was going to ask, I, I was going to say, I think this is right around the turn of the yes, calendar. The, yes. Yes. Um, so 79 CE. Okay. Um, Mount Vesuvius erupted and buried the entire cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum and their surroundings, killing an estimated 2,000 people. Oh, that's it? Well, I, well, I mean, this is... It's an estimate for one thing. Something important to remember yeah. it is it is an estimate, and we'll get into, like, population in a minute, so... All right, so we are going very historic into this disaster, obviously. We're almost, I, we're almost going prehistoric. That would be like more than 10,000. Oh, I know. I'm, I don't I'm, think we're I'm going kidding. quite prehistoric. <laughs> like, if we ever do the uh, the extinction of the dinosaurs, that would be... That'll a, be prehistoric. That'll be prehistoric. We should do that. That would be pretty cool. That'd be a good one. We it's need to get Akshay up, in on still it. still up for debate, but... Yeah, yeah. It'd be more theoretical a, as to the causes. There, yeah. There's heavy um, evidence that mm-hmm. it was an asteroid. Two housekeeping things I forgot oh. <laughs> after I t- introduced the entire topic. One, we recorded with Akshay for Blood on the Rocks. Oh, yes. So be sure yes. to listen to his um, latest episode. Um, I think it's called Bad Blood 2. And we discussed the, the very interesting, um, like, worst British military disaster in 100 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, so always be sure to check out Akshay, even on the episodes we're not on, but especially that. Check them out in general, but especially yes. check them out when we're on it. Yes, so Blood on the Rocks. Um, and also, forgot to plug Beer of the Day. Oh, yeah. We're each having a brew print. I am having their Briarberry Standard Sour, which is very good. And I am having the very delicious Coconut Lime Sour. Yes, we thought they were done for the year at Pharmacy around the corner. Turns out they're not. They had like eight more. Yes, so we got a So few. we got half of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so... I debated on calling this episode just Pompeii, but considering it's it's really the story of the eruption of Mount Vesuvius at this time. Sure. Um, and Pompeii was not the only city affected. It's the most famous, but not probably the most famous, but um, not the only one. So I decided to go the Vesuvius route, so that's why... Um, that's why I called it this, and also that's where we're starting. We're going to start with Mount Vesuvius itself. So Mount Vesuvius is still very much a volcano. Volcanoes don't just, like, erupt and then go away. Uh, they can become inactive. Sure. Um, Vesuvius is not inactive. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so it is still in existence. It's in the Campania region of Italy. Uh, which is just a few miles east of Naples itself, or it, it is, Vesuvius is, so it's pretty close to Naples, Italy, and close to the shore of the Gulf of Naples, which makes sense. So geographically speaking, this is in western Italy, kind of southern, although not like on the southern tip. So if you think of, you know, the, 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 boot, the, boot. the boot of Italy, it'd be like at the front of the ankle. Okay. Like at the crease of the ankle in the front on the western side. So if... That helps at all. <laughs> if you're a hipster, that means the part 
of your body below where you've just rolled your pants up. Yes, that's right, because the cuffs on the pants are just above the ankle. There you go. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Sorry to our hipster listeners out there. That's <laughs> okay. I had to take a shot. We are a podcast, so chances are there's a lot of hipster listeners, in all fairness. We, we love you, hipsters. Sometimes. Most of the time. Most of the time. Sometimes. Actually, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. is more like it. <laughs> Half the time. So Vesuvius is a stratovolcano. And formed as a result of the collision of the African tectonic plate and the Eurasian tectonic plate. Um, with the African plate being subducted by the Eurasian plate. So that means it's the one that's kind of like... So they, they crash together and then the um, African one is, is kind of sliding under the Eurasian one. Okay. Because like they don't just buckle and nothing no. happens. You know, they don't just hit and nothing happens. So... And that happened, the formation of Vesuvius with this collision happened about 18,000 years ago. So this is an old vo- volcano. How Vesuvius got its name is mostly theory, because this is pretty ancient history. Um, and it's not completely known exactly where the name came from, because there are a lot of different groups who came in and out of Campania over the centuries. So Greek, Latin, and Italic peoples were all in the area. Italic people are like early Italian. Makes sense. Um, And some theories include it was named for a Greek version of the words unquenchable or hurling violence. Okay. (laughs) Which is very descriptive. That would would turn out to become true. Uh Uh-huh. As well as Indo-European root words for the one who lightens or hearth. So, like a fireplace, I guess, or, you know, fire, associated with fire. That makes sense. So, that's that. Um, In ancient days, Vesuvius was also seen as a mountain devoted to the Roman god Hercules. Sure. So, like a lot of things in the world and in the universe, it has a history rooted in mythology, too. So Makes sense. Yep. Uh, Vesuvius has erupted many times over the years, not just in this one instance. So that's why I was saying the eruption is a little bit of a misnomer. But like I said, it's the most famous and the most known to be destructive um, eruption that we know of, at least in in, uh, recent history. I get recent being relative, but non-ancient history, I guess. Although this is is pretty ancient, 79 CE. It's it's almost 2,000 years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but there were some other really bad eruptions. There was an Avellino eruption, which occurred around 1800 BCE. So a couple thousand years before um, the one that we're talking about. So since the eruption we'll be talking about, it has erupted since then up to an additional 42 times. What? Really? Yes, many times since then, although the history is a little fuzzy since some of the eruptions would have happened a really long time ago, and if they weren't quite as destructive, they may not have been recorded as much or what what have you. Um, It's currently the only volcano in continental Europe to have erupted within the past 100 years. Um, The last eruption eruption was during World War II, 1944. There was an eruption of Vesuvius. No kidding. Mm -hmm. But if it wasn't much... Or, or very, if it wasn't catastrophic. Yeah, then, then, then it probably, <laughs> it was barely a blip yeah. considering what was going on in Europe at the time. Yeah, it was like a, a little two-page, it was like a little headline on like the 15th page of the New York Times. Right. Um, but now, this is interesting, in spite of this, it is currently considered one of the most dangerous volcanoes in the world. The reason being, there's about 3 million people who live close enough to this thing to be basically wiped out if another eruption like the one in, in uh, 79 CE happens again. So. Yeah, you probably shouldn't put that many people close to an active <laughs> volcano. Well, it used to be a lot taller than it is now. Sure. Because as we learned, we talked about this in Year Without a Summer, I think. Because of the eruption yes. of the volcano. It'll, um, it'll blow up pieces of the mountain. The top of it, the, yes. Through the eruption mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. As of 2010, it was 1,281 meters tall, which is 4,203 feet. Okay. So that's that Almost tall. a mile. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. About three quarters. Now. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why. 
Is it just the summertime has been getting? I think it is. Yeah. Like summer allergies or something? Yeah, I think it is because it's happening to me too. Yeah, just lots of runny noses. Sorry. Yeah. Behind the scenes stuff you never <laughs> wanted to know. Okay. So now moving on to Pompeii and Herculaneum. Those are the two best known cities surrounding Vesuvius. Uh, and there were several Roman cities and settlements that were literally buried by this eruption. Not just these two, but those are obviously the two best known. Pompeii being the most known, most like you know, um, generally agreed, and Herculaneum being the one they named a font after. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. It's like a you can tell it's like a fake, um, ancient Roman sort of look to it. But anyway, do, do the letters look like people are frozen in stone or something? <laughs> no. Is that why it's called Herculane, Herculaneum? You know font? The, you know the font papyrus. It's supposed to look like it was written on. Well, anyway, um, papyrus. Yes, it's it, it's it's kind of supposed to be like that. So anyway, so we'll start with Pompeii. The most available information historically is on Pompeii. So um, Pompeii is actually still around as a modern town, except it's spelled with just one I at the end instead of two. Um, even back in 79 CE, Pompeii was an old town. Even back then, so it was an, it was an ancient city. It had been founded back until in like seventh or sixth century BCE. So it was several hundred years old uh, by the time of this eruption. It was founded by people... Makes make sense. It's yeah. on, um, what did you say it was? Uh, a gulf? A gulf of Naples. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so exactly. Gulf town, right? All old, Port town. All old cities, the one thing they have in common is they're all on water. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. It was founded by people from central Italy called the Osci. I think that's how it's pronounced. O-S-C-I. It could be Oski. Oshi. <laughs> I'm not sure if they're around to be offended or not. So. <laughs> there you go. And it was it, like exactly like you said. It was a port town. It was used by the Greek Greeks and the Phoenicians. Okay. So, like most ancient and even not so ancient places, it, it was conquered and captured oh, and switched sure. hands a whole bunch because nothing stayed very stable back in the day and even currently in some parts of the world anyway. So. In the 4th century BCE, it became a sort of forced ally of Rome. After the Samnite Wars, which I literally never heard of, they were loyal to Rome during the Second Punic War. I've actually heard of the Punic Wars. Uh, but that was circa 218 BCE. Um, yeah, but so they just, also... Just a couple years ago. Yeah. But they also fought against Rome in the 1st century BCE, so... So, Pompeii was, for the most part, a pretty typical city in ancient Rome. We know a fair amount of the landscape because of how it was preserved after the eruption, which we'll obviously get into, but uh, there was a lot of trade and commerce, and I thought this was pretty fun. They had the first known instance of a marketing portmanteau. And we love a good portmanteau. So yes, we do. Portmanteau is the word for anyone who doesn't know when you put two words together, mm-hmm. like to make a new word. So, um, so, and we love a portmanteau. We make up portmanteaus all the time. Yes, we do. So, uh, it was a portmanteau of the word vesuvini, vesuvinum, vesuvinum, vesuvinum. That's it. Sorry. Vesuvinum. Vesuvinum. Okay. Vesuvinum. Uh, that, that, oh, sorry, that was the, that was the portmanteau. (laughs) It's just really hard to pronounce. Okay. (laughs) Vesuvinum. It was probably easier in ancient Pompeii. So that was the portmanteau, and it was a combination of the words Vesuvius and Venum, which means wine. So Vesuvian wine is Vesuvinum. Vesuvinum. I still can't say it. Let's just move on. Yes. (laughs) So basically, it was like a, a name for a local wine business, but it was clever. It was a, like a marketing pun, and the first known instance of that being the case, which is kind of, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. It is interesting. Uh, wine was one of the biggest businesses in the city, and agriculture in general was pretty big because there was a, the soil in the area was known to be very good for growing plants, so... Pompeii was uh, also a vacation destination for a lot of Roman people. Maybe because it was by the water, is my guess, you know. 
So I hadn't realized that there were vacation getaways two thousand years ago. Well, yes. But I guess for elites, yeah, there, there, there probably would be a were vacationing spot. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's only going to take us uh, fifteen days horse ride to get there, fellas. <laughs> yeah, it'll, right. It'll be a quick one. <laughs> um, and something that I found kind of interesting was that the roads in the city were built on a grid. So very that well is interesting. planned. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how cities are built today. It's how they should be built, but yeah. somebody didn't tell Raleigh that. I mean, the downtown area technically is, but that's it. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, most cities, for the most part, cities are kind of laid out that way. Greenville is kind of Greenville, South Carolina, is oddly shaped. Um, Raleigh's terrible. This whole area is not on a grid. Not not all of it. Uh, from what I've seen in like documentaries and stuff on historical American cities, apparently Boston is the worst. Boston has the the streets are like alphabetical according like you know if you're headed east or west on like oh, I used to know all this well, when you I lived, went to you Berkeley lived there yeah I went I I was at Washington Ave and then like a bunch of the cross streets but anyway Exeter was one and but it was A B C D E and it oh, like okay. you could tell you which direction you were going because of the the letters, you know, like where in the alphabet you were. But my gold standard will always be Miami because it was all just numbers. Yeah, that's true. And divided into northeast, northwest, southeast, southwest. Yeah, Miami is complete grid. It is. And it's amazing because if you have an address, you can find it just by knowing the numbering system. Like you don't, like it's the easiest thing. And Raleigh doesn't do that. And I don't know why. And it's really obnoxious. But... (laughs) Pompeii knew to do that, so that's pretty cool. At the time of this eruption of Vesuvius, there was an estimated population of 11,000 people in Pompeii. So, um, here's a little uh, pop quiz hotshot. What do you think the estimated world population was at this time in history? Uh, this maybe, is a tough one. I, I wouldn't be able to just pull this out of thin air. I don't know how they could really... It's obviously all just estimates. Nobody knows for sure. Mm-hmm. I would guess around 2,000 years ago, we're talking maybe 50 million people worldwide. Okay, it's 170 is the oh. estimate. <laughs> Samsonite. <laughs> I was way off. You were way off. You're, I was you're, initially going to say 100 million, but I'm like, that sounds like too many for but 170 million. Okay. Yeah. So while 11,000 is a very small town today. Oh, at, at this time. If you imagine there was like, what, we have like 7.6 billion people now. Is it as that of many? Recording, yes. Holy shit. Yes. I, in fact, I think we hit it in May. Seven point six. I knew million. it was at seven, but I didn't mm-hmm. know it was seven points. I remember. Fuck. I remember when we hit six, and I remember when we hit seven. So that within my lifetime, my memorable lifetime. Well, within my mother's lifetime, the population's almost tripled. The, the, There's the, only two billion people in your mom. When wow. My, the year my mom was born, there was like two and a half billion people on the earth. Wow, I'm sure she'll be really happy about us using her as a stick. I did not give away her birth year. <laughs> um. So, but, but yeah, proportionately, the, the Earth has gone through quite a population boom oh yes. over the past 50 years. So proportionately, 11,000 people compared to 170 million is a much larger amount than compared oh, yeah. to 7.6 billion. So sure. this is not necessarily a tiny town. No. You know. Well, it's a, it's a vacation hotspot, yeah, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Now, as for Herculaneum, it was unsurprisingly named after Hercules, the Roman god, and it was basically like Pompeii's upscale neighbor. So the Eagleton to Pawnee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For Parks and Rec fans. Um, not, not to say that they look down on Pompeii. I have no, no evidence of that. But anyway, there is evidence of the reason I say that it was more upscale is because there were nicer building materials used in Herculaneum like colorful marble and like nicer paintings and stuff. So it just, the material was more upscale. Herculaneum was also a port town, obviously same geographical area. And um, most of its history kind of mimics that of Pompeii, which makes sense considering they were really close, uh, geographically speaking. At the time of the Vesuvius eruption, there was an estimated population of four or 5,000 people in Herculaneum. So it was smaller, like about half the size of 
Pompeii, but all told between Pompeii, Herculaneum, and the other regions, like the other towns and cities that were also affected by the eruption, there was an estimated total population of 16 to 20,000 people. Okay. So just for scale, that's how many people were basically in the path of danger in case of the eruption. 15 years, this is this was really interesting. 15 years before the eruption, there was a big earthquake around a five or six on the Richter scale, which today wouldn't necessarily be the most destructive, but we have building codes and a bit of seismic seismometers and <laughs> graphs. All kinds of seismic stuff. We have sciencey seismic stuff. We, we have like a technology and stuff. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, so, but back then, obviously, came out of nowhere, would have been a lot more destructive, and it did do a lot of damage to Pompeii and Herculaneum and the surrounding cities. And the damage included a fair amount of fire damage because all the oil lamps, like, got knocked over. So started fires. Oh, okay. So it was especially sure. devastating to this area. It caused, like, it destroyed buildings and roads. There was a, an outbreak of anarchy for a few days in Pompeii for a little bit after because, like, just it was kind of just chaos. Well, order was kind of broken down. Yes, there was looting, problems with the food supply, the whole thing. So as a result, a large number of people, though it's not known exactly how many, left Pompeii. So even though there was like 11,000 people at the time of this eruption, it could have been more had this earthquake not happened before. So it was a little bit of like a potentially positive effect of a bad thing, a previous bad thing, you know? Although I I couldn't, I didn't see where, like how many people actually died in the fires and the earthquake. So I don't know, it may have been a wash, but... Um, so yeah, it could have been a little bit of a good, bad thing, but I thought that was interesting because it's true that when, uh, a town, especially, or like a small region has been through, like imagine, um, let's see, 15 years, that would be roughly like, um, something happening to New Orleans now, you know, like they went through Katrina and then something else came and knocked them down 15 years later, you know, it would be, it would be rough. It, it, for for it's, it's kind of a bad string of bad luck, but considering they're on this fault line, you know, it makes sense, I guess. All right, so now we're going to get into the eruption. But something important to keep in mind is that we're talking about an event that happened almost 2,000 years ago at this point. We're like 60 years shy or something of actually 2,000 years ago. So the exact details are kind of sketchy. Sure. Yeah, or... I don't mean sketchy, like, well, it's suspect. I mean, like, just hard to fill in. And it's probably all hearsay. There are some, eye, there's some eyewitness yeah. accounts for sure. And the evidence of what has been excavated. Sure. Which we'll get into, but yeah. Um, and that's where we're going to get into more detail is in the excavations and stuff. So. Okay. So there were four shocks leading up to the eruption of Vesuvius, Though that wasn't necessarily anything new in this area. I mean, this was an active volcano and a place that had experienced experienced earthquakes. So they're kind of used to the rumbling. So it wasn't seen as anything that should be a foreshadow. The gods must be angry today. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I I bet a million, because how the hell would they know 2,000 years ago? Maybe what a volcano was, but they sure as shit didn't know what an earthquake was 2,000 years ago. Right. Well, not to, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to like ascribe intelligence to a specific period of time. And I don't mean intelligence, I guess, um, uh, like knowledge and technology. It's true that we're talking about a long time ago. Um, so I'm not sure. We're talking primitive human beings. Not primitive. Yeah. No, I wouldn't call this period primitive. There, there is. Jesus just died. Jesus didn't live in primitive times. Well, compared to now, I'm, I'm I mean, like compared in the now, sure. I mean, in the mindset of pretty much the human race back then was still, it was still all you know. You're still kind of in the reptilian brain of fight or flight and that kind of thing. There, I, there, there is, were cities. I there, don't think you. Can I'm call saying it Prius, or, there uh, is some technology coming around. Technology that still stands today. Right. But for the most part, I'm talking 
But that, that's, like, that, no, I gotcha. I gotcha. It's, it's I, just a speculation. I know. I kind of feel like because they had, and you know how I love speculation. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I know how you hate speculation, but I'm going to speculate anyway. That's what you do. Uh, but it's to me like the fact that they had planned cities and stuff. To me, when you say primitive, I think like cave drawings. We were not no, in the, that period. No, that's that's freaking. That's what I think that, of. That's cavemen. Yeah, that's what I think of as primitive. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. no. So, anyway. Anyway. Any hoodle. I'm sure they had a cave drawing there somewhere. They had frescoes. No, they were not caves. They were they were uh, okay. frescoes. We'll get into the frescoes. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll get into they the frescoes. They had fresco drawings. They have, no, paintings. Oh, Frescoes okay. are paintings. I didn't know that. Um, I think. <laughs> so, anyway, there was no mistaking the real eruption for... For shocks being foregone, um, the the eruption lasted for two days. Holy shit! A long time. It began around one p.m. local time on August twenty second, seventy nine uh, C.E. Quick note, though, this is the generally accepted date, uh, but there's also evidence that suggests it may have happened a little later in the year, more like um, October November, because there are like eyewitness accounts that are dated. At that time, at, like in August, but then they also found evidence of like things that had been harvested and the clothing that people were wearing that were a lot more consistent with cooler months. Okay. So it was a little bit of a hmm. We're not entirely sure. So anyway, hey, as long as they pin down the year, I mean that's <laughs> right. I mean, that's good enough. Right. So we'll go with August, but it's possible it wasn't. Um, so this was a massive eruption. Vesuvius spewed out superheated gases, molten rock, and ash to an estimated height of 33 kilometers. Holy shit. 21 miles into the air. Wow. That's how high up this sputum went. That's almost (laughs) going into... Is that going into outer space? Close. I don't know. I don't know what our stratosphere looks like. I don't know know what it is either, but that's got to be damn close. It's far. Yeah. (laughs) The rate at which this spewing occurred is estimated to have been 1.5 million tons per second. Holy shit. So this was... That's a It was a ton and at a high velocity. It resulted in a thermal energy release 100,000 times... That of the bombs that were dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Oh my god, yeah. Some people just got fucking evaporated. Let's get into that. As the ash and the pulverized pumice rained Mm -hmm. down on the area, people began running away, obviously, trying to escape the effects of the eruption. And there were rescue efforts, too. People trying to go in and get people out. So obviously at this point in history, I'm not talking about like hook and ladder rescue crews or anything like that. No, we're, we're talking about people with sandals and robes on. Yes. Try, no, try, chariots, try. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Chariots were a thing back then, like Ben-Hur, whatever. I'm sure they had a few horses. Yes. <laughs> but Cattle horses. <laughs> but obviously it was not a quick process. No. Fleeing. Anyway, and because of the rate and the the... Just the scope of this eruption. Yeah, you're not getting away from it anyway. Not not many. Yeah. Uh, well, y- you had a good chance of getting caught up in it, even if you were running. So, um, the uh, did you? Did you okay? Earlier that evening, on the twenty seventh or either, sorry, redo either that evening on August twenty second or sometime early on August twenty third. Pyroclastic flows began. So pyroclastic flow is basically like a giant cloud or current of gases and material from the volcano. Collectively, that's called tephra. Okay. And that, it doesn't just like flow away from the volcano. It barrels away from the volcano. Uh, And the temperature of the gases can reach Around like a thousand degrees Celsius, which Jesus. is eighteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit, basically, and they move incredibly fast at speeds that can approach about seven hundred kilometers per hour or four hundred thirty miles per really? hour. Yes. So imagine something that's eighteen hundred degrees is coming at you at a, at a speed of an airplane, basically, like a slow-moving airplane. <laughs> yeah, you're fucked. Yes, yes, you are. In fact. Um, 
There's so much energy in pyroclastic flow that it basically just flattens everything. It's like a freight train just coming through. It, it flattens trees. Well, yeah, all that force and all that energy. Yep. Just take away the just take away the the heat of it, mm-hmm. but just the sheer force of it. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. you have all the the temperature on top of that. Well, that's the God. thing. So it it just flattens trees and buildings and people. And because it's so hot, it just basically incinerates anything mm-hmm. on the spot that it comes in, in contact with. So people could see this pyroclastic flow from, from a pretty far distance. <laughs> I'll bet. So some people fled who didn't even really need to because, like, they could see it, but it wasn't hey, going to reach them. It's still it's, a good strategy. It's very understandable, yes. So they just wanted to make sure they were safe. That is completely understandable. And the flow did exactly what pyroclastic flow does. It destroyed, burned, and suffocated everything in its path. Basically, it just mowed down structures, people, animals, nature, everything. And there were some smaller aftershocks and even a small tsunami in the Bay of Naples, but that was kind of the least yeah, <laughs> concerned after all this yeah. was happening. There is... A written eyewitness account of this eruption by Pliny the Younger, who was a prominent, who who became a prominent figure in Rome. So uh, Pliny the Younger is the nephew of Pliny the Elder. So if anyone listens to Sawbones, they constantly talk about Pliny the Elder because he was one of the earlier, um, uh, like fathers of medicine and science, kind of back in way ancient times. And Pliny the Elder. Died in this eruption. No shit. Yeah. Okay. So um, Pliny the Younger, who was 17 at this point, um, like his uncle, Pliny the Elder, uh, died from, like I said, from trying to rescue friends and family from the eruption. And he actually asked Pliny the Younger to come with him. And Pliny the Younger's like, no thanks. So he survived. You see this damn thing? Yes. So Pliny the Younger. The gods are really pissed off. Yes. Plenty. I don't think you should go down there. Plenty the Elder. Yes. Plenty, is that? Plenty. P-L-I-N-Y. Plenty. Plenty. I've never heard of him. I hadn't until I heard Sawbones, so, you know. So, Plenty the Younger's account of the eruption included, quote, Broad sheets of flame were lighting up many parts of Vesuvius. Their light and brightness were the more vivid for the darkness of the night. It was daylight now elsewhere in the world. But there, the darkness was thicker than any night. Sure. Quote. Yeah. 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 Basically, it was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So. They probably, well, I don't know if these people believed in Jesus or not. Probably <laughs> probably not, because well, it's it's only 79 years since. May I get all... Um, Seeing what I can recall from my evangelical days. Well, I just want to. I just want to put out. Paul like, was around then, I think. Okay. Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul. They're probably it, if they did believe in Christ and all that goofy stuff, they're probably thinking that this is revelation. Yeah. Right. Well. Like, well, like, but here's the thing. So important to note: the Bible was not around as the Bible back then. What was it? Well, the Old Testament was around, like the Torah and stuff. Oh, okay. But it was the New Testament was still being written at this point. Oh, early early Christian church history was just now happening. Basically, That's what I, I kind of figured that. Okay, early early church history was just after Jesus died, and I know Jesus wasn't born in like year zero because they mistook that. I think he was born earlier, right? Earlier or late? Earlier. I think it was earlier. So he had been gone, like... And apparently not on December 25th. Right. Right. Yeah, because like of that. some sort of holiday thing. I don't know. But, um... Oh, Christmas. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but, no, it's about when the, um, when the kings went to see Jesus. Would have been, like, in... February or March or something. Or it's about when the census was taken. Because um, Jesus was born around a census taking time because that's why they were in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, because they had to go back to where Joseph was from, which was Bethlehem. So anyway, it's all nonsense. Jesus also cannot ex- escape the pyroclastic flow. <laughs> this is when he died. <laughs> no. <laughs> actually, I, actually, I'm pretty sure it's quite well established historically that Jesus was crucified. 
It's just the whole resurrection thing that's <laughs> very much under it's, under scrutiny. It's under review. Yeah, it's that play, play is under, play is under <laughs> review. Anyhow, so let's get into the aftermath. When all was said and done, the cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum were completely obliterated, buried in lava and ash in the pyroclastic material of Vesuvius. There was no attempt to rebuild, and everyone who survived the eruption just left. Yeah, good idea. And they're just like, yeah, no. Especially back then, what would be the purpose of trying to rebuild? Uh, it would yeah, take there would too be, there, much. There'd be yeah. none. Yeah. You, you find a port city somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I found this really interesting anyway, these cities were basically forgotten for a long time. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. yeah. It was just kind of lost to history yeah. for a period of time. I mean, it's literally freaking buried. Yes, and then it got more buried because there were other eruptions, and so... Other earth earth moving events. Yep, exactly, other tectonic activity, so it just got more and more buried over the years. And it wasn't until 1,500 years later that the first remains of Pompeii were unearthed in 1599. I thought it was later than that. I thought it was like the 1700s. We'll get into that. This is just the very first time anything was unearthed that we know of. Okay. It was 1599. People in the area were trying to dig an underground water channel for water diversion. And the workers who were digging found painted and inscribed walls. So they were like, shit, this is not supposed to be buried underground. Um, and they called in an architect named Domenico Fontana, um, and he took a look at it. He dug up a few more frescoes, and then he buried them again, and that was that. Okay. So that was what happened in 1599. Now He's like, wow, this is interesting. I'll, <laughs> let me put them back. Well, there are some theories. So in Pompeii, a lot of the frescoes, a lot of the artwork, like a lot of other times around then... Or a, a lot of, uh, like, the, the mores of the, t- the time were very explicit. There was a lot of erotic art. Oh, That was the okay. thing back then. Um, you've seen but old I, Roman I, art. Yeah, but I thought, I thought that part of the world didn't really care about that kind of stuff. They sure as fuck cared about it in the Middle Ages. And then, like, this, this 1600, roughly 1600 in Europe was the Counter-Reformation when the Catholic Church was making a big comeback. And the Catholic Church has never been okay with that stuff. That's true. So while Europe today is a lot more cosmopolitan than, like, America, or, you know, and we're always being compared to, oh, they have topless beaches and they don't care. They're not such prudes about sex and stuff like that. That was not the case back in this, the 15 and 1600s. That's fucking Catholics. For sure. Strike again. So, and the Counter-Reformation was a, um, a response to the Reformation, was the, which was when the Protestants were coming up. And the Catholic Church was like, yeah, fuck that. And that was the Counter-Reformation. So, <laughs> Yeah, and that, that saw its way through all the way to the end of the 20th century in, in Northern Ireland. Well, <laughs> and still goes on in so many oh, parts I'm sure. of the world. But, um, so the thought was that he either wanted to censor the artwork himself, or he thought that it would be too racy for the time, or he thought, like, okay, this is going to cause a problem now. If I just bury it, someone else is going to find it later on and be able to... Uh, so who knows what he was thinking. But at any rate, he just buried it, and off he went. And that's where it stayed for another 150 years. And this is what you're okay, thinking so, Okay, so yes. I was right, yeah. So there was, like, a rediscovery of Pompeii. So in 1738, again, workers, makes sense, they were digging, they discovered Herculaneum when they unearthed the foundation of the Summer Palace of Charles of Bourbon, King of Naples. So I don't know why he's Charles of Bourbon, King of Naples, but... <laughs> they, had, they had to have really long titles back then just I, to sound e- I guess. extra elite. I could be the King of Bourbon. <laughs> sure. Charles of Naples, King of Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Pompeii excavations began 10 years later in 1748 under a Spanish military engineer named um, <laughs> Roque Joaquin de Acubier. Sure. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. It took them a while to properly identify. Panel? Panel? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yes. It took them a while to properly identify the ruins as Pompeii. Like, at first, they didn't know what to call it or what it was. And excavation efforts kind of came in fits and starts. 
For one thing, the whole erotic art thing was still a concern during this entire period, like even in the 1700s. And some of the art was hidden away back then and only recently rediscovered. Oh, okay. And the stuff that wasn't hidden was being put in like a secret gallery in the Naples National Archaeological Museum and was put there by King Francis in 1819. It had periods of being closed, reopened, closed, reopened, like throughout history. And it, like, I think in 2010 or something, like in the 2000s, or maybe it was 2000 exactly. Anyway, something like that. They they finally reopened it, and it's open now, although minors are not allowed in alone. Like, they have to have a permission slip, or... And I mean minors as in children, not as in excavating miners. I understand, but it's it's art, people. Yeah, I, like, don't, just, I don't know why people get just so Just get over uptight. it. And this yeah. is in Europe. This is yeah, in present exactly. day Europe. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So... Maybe it's super dirty artwork. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, at any rate. Either or. That's If you watched enough Game of Thrones, apparently that's what they were into back then. <laughs> yeah. Because Game of Thrones really happened, people. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All the dragons and everything. <laughs> so the excavation continued throughout the French occupation of Naples from 1806 to 1815 during the Napo- Napoleonic Wars. And as Italy approached the Italian unification, which was when the various kind of states in the uh, peninsula like coalesced into the kingdom of Italy, there was a renewed interest in the excavation because it was kind of like, a, this is our thing. This is an Italian uh, treasure sort of a thing. And so it became a lot, the excavation became a lot more systematic under the leadership of Giuseppe Fiorelli. So he was kind of instrumental at that point. And they stopped just taking everything out off-site and putting it into museums. And instead, they did the smart thing and left it in situ, left it, like, where it was. Sure. Which makes sense. And Fiorelli is also the guy who started taking plaster casts of the victims, Mm. which is what you see generally Mm -hmm. when, other than skeletons, what you see is the plaster casts. If you see, like, human forms, they're the casts. So that they could be depicted in the pictures, or in the position in which they died. And I was going to say, like, there are a lot of pictures, if you Google it, you can see what it looks like. Both skeletal remains and, like... Looks pretty fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's where this gets pretty grim. So, people people were literally mowed down by something they could see headed right towards them, this pyroclastic material. And then they were just incinerated, so... Casts, the casket can still be seen, and the skeletons, um, when you visit the area, and like we said, in pictures and stuff, show people in various states of, like, being doubled over, trying to climb or run, um, and then just, like, lying and looking dead. And it's pretty awful. Uh, clearly, the victims of the Vesuvius eruption died really scared, which is a terrible way to go. I guess the upside is... Once the pyroclastic material like reached them, it just happened immediately. They just died oh, immediately. Yeah. Oh, but sure. it was horrifying in the meantime. Uh, they're doing you casts the of uh, animals as well. Oh no! Yeah. Um. Oh, trigger warning, Sarah. Cute. Don't look at that. Oh, was that a dog? <laughs> that oh. definitely looked. Well, it was probably a, it was probably a wolf. Two, they we're had talking dogs the, back then. Did they? Yeah. Two thousand years ago. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if they were that old or not. Wolf. It was a wolf dog. It was a wolf. It was a hound. Yeah, sort. this is this is. See, I've seen these before, but yeah. I'm looking at them right. They're, it's creepy. Knowing what happened. Fuck! Yeah. It is so damn creepy. Oh, there's a pig. Oh, I, mm. oh, there's like faces and mm-hmm. stuff too. A pig and another uh, wolf dog. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure. I, I'm sure. I, you probably don't have any estimates on that, but there had. This is an mm-hmm. agricultural area. So there had to have been thousands of animals that were killed as well. I don't have it, and my guess is they... I don't even know if they bothered to try and figure it out, because it's just... It would be inestimable, Yeah, I guess. But you know that there were pigs, horses... Oh, yes. Dogs, apparently. Yeah. Cats. Um, Yes. Yeah? Cats were around with Cleopatra. That's true. Yes, Yes, you're right. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, poor kitties. Mm -hmm. Oh, our little boys aren't in here. They're, would, they're running away from a pyroclastic flow. <laughs> oh, never. They had they probably had the best shot of any animal, though. Those, <laughs> they're fast. They're, they're fast. They're, they're not 430 miles per hour fast, though. No, they're not. So, 
All right. So now on to tourism and preservation. So the excavation, restoration, and preservation of Pompeii and Herculaneum continued throughout the 20th century, still ongoing today. Um, Some contributors haven't done the best job. For example, there was a man named Amadeo Mayuri. I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, And apparently he kind of did a hack job at restoration for like 40 years (laughs) from the 20s to the 60s, which just reminds me of like the lady who restored the painting of Jesus. Remember that? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how do you fuck something? That looks like something that looks like if somebody commissioned me to redo the painting. It was uh, hysterical. Of uh, what was it again? It It was was Jesus. It was a portrait of Jesus. I thought it was Mary. No, it was Jesus. Was it Jesus? Okay, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. though. But yeah, it looked like something like a 10-year-old <laughs> would do. By numbers is what I ended up <laughs> yeah. looking at. It's hilarious. I'm sure everybody... It, it was super popular when it happened, so... Um, but, so anyway, um, Mayuri's philosophy was all about restoration and creating, like, the atmosphere of Pompeii and Herculaneum. So he did stuff like rebuild walls that no, had been knocked down. you can't do that. And he rebuilt them with steel and oh, concrete and, like, modern materials. So he was, first of all, he was making these artifacts inauthentic. Yeah, I was gonna, if you want to do something like that off-site to, like, kind of recreate like a it. a recreation, yeah, yeah that's n- another thing. no problem. You don't right. do it. No. What, how fucking no. stupid can you be? And not only that, but the, the modern construction materials started damaging well, the sure. original and, walls and, and stuff. Prob- and they probably just don't hold up as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so aside from people who make bad decisions, Jesus, like Mayori. fucking dumb... Yeah. And how and he had to have submitted that through people. How dumb were the people? Well, they put him in charge of it and then that's what he did. Oh my so God. apparently they just let this idiot like go f- loose on it for uh, I mean, granted Italy had a lot of concerns from the 20s through the 60s. <laughs> so uh, yeah. maybe there are S- several pressing concerns. Yes, yeah, maybe that their time mind period. was elsewhere. That's I, true. I don't know. Their I guess, attention was elsewhere. I guess I didn't I didn't think of it that way, <laughs> but yeah, you got a point there. So aside from People like Maori, there are even currently still a lot of challenges in the preservation. For one thing, it is an incredibly expensive undertaking. I'm sure. And the excavations have been plagued with underfunding basically from the word go. And there's also the fact that now that these artifacts are uncovered, they're exposed to the elements. Yeah. So they're vulnerable to weathering and erosion, especially the parts that were uncovered like a couple hundred years ago because they've been exposed for a long time now. So some artifacts... Plus you're in a, again, you're in a gulf area. Yes, with ocean water, air, and Mm -hmm. yes, yes, there's salt and air and sand and absolutely. So that's going to, that's just going to... Compounded. Make it even harder to preserve yes. this kind of stuff. Yes. Um, some artifacts that were perfectly preserved as carbonizations of the objects literally, like, were, once they were exposed to the air, just, just disintegrated yeah, within days. Yeah. So That's then you add bad. in the underfunding, and that just all makes it worse. In fact, very sadly, I thought this was really just awful. Bones from hundreds of victims in Herculaneum uh, have been left out in the open air due to underfunding and are slowly disintegrating, like, still to this day. This is Mm. happening. Some of the paintings have been brought into museums, but then that gives the issue of that they're starting to fade because of light exposure. Sure. So then there are the people... So obviously this area is a tourist magnet, and that's been yeah. A bit I, of a, I definitely this is one of the places on earth I want to go to. Well, most. listen to this. So it's been a little bit of a blessing and a curse. About two and a half million people a year visit Pompeii, um, which does help in terms of funding, awareness, sure. stuff like that. But the problem is, like you can walk some of the streets of Pompeii. But then what is that doing to the stones? It's eroding them further. Even things like casually accidentally brushing up against a painting or a wall is furthering the erosion. So the very presence of humans there is contributing to its demise. Sure. Basically. Um, And then... Well, I I will be happy to contribute to the demise (laughs) once once we go. Okay. I won't be happy about it, but... Gotcha. And then, (laughs) then there are the assholes... Who think it's a good idea to chip away at walls and stuff for souvenirs or whatever. 
and obviously that just destroys things. And then there are real dipshits who have, like, graffiti as a problem in Pompeii. Oh, really? Yeah. Talk about I guess, I, well, I'm, I'm not surprised, but... It, it, it's, again, kind of like the Centralia thing. Yeah. Like, people who are just assholes. I don't know. People are jerks sometimes. And then there are people who steal stuff. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. And put it on the antiques black yeah, market, so... Uh, that doesn't surprise me. For those who do go... Jesse. Don't, don't sit on Syracuse. Did you see it kind of scared him at first? <laughs> it was moving, yeah. <laughs> Jesse was sitting on my... my our Jewish... Our, our Jewish reference. Diagram of yeah, uh, Judaism. Judaism. Yes. Um, for those who do go to Pompeii and Herculaneum, and hopefully are not jerks, who take stuff from it, in addition to all the morbid stuff like the plaster cast of bodies that can be seen, you can basically see the paved streets... Line with shops, amphitheaters, um, businesses like mills and bakeries and taverns, and the artwork, both at the site and in museums. And, and that's just part of it. There is still a large amount of these cities still left to be uncovered. Oh, I'm sure. So it remains uh, yeah. to be seen what is actually still There's in probably there. still stuff underneath. They, they yes. could probably go so much yes. farther. Yeah. And the site is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, which you hear about a lot. Mm -hmm. Have you ever wondered what it actually is, or do you know what it is? I've heard of it. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly Same what it is. here. So it is the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. That's what UNESCO stands for. Okay. And what they do is um, they when a World Heritage Site means that they find a place um, like historically, culturally, or socially significant... And they legally protect it with international treaties. So it's the UN getting behind like legal protection of a site. Okay. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Specifically, UNESCO has called Pompeii and Herculaneum, quote, a complete and vivid picture of society and daily life at a specific moment in the past that is without parallel anywhere in the world. Yeah, because it's literally like a... It's preserved. A living... Not living. <laughs> well... In a sense. I, I know what you mean, though. It's essentially a snapshot of what life was like 2,000 years yes. ago, which I don't know where else, where else you can, you're well, going to get that. Well, according to UNESCO, uh, nowhere, nowhere else. else. Yeah. And that's the, that's the ironic part about Pompeii and Herculaneum. The, the eruption of Vesuvius was obviously a very bad thing, and like it would have been better for humanity in the sense of lives lost for it not to have happened. Sure. However, it's there's there's an odd upside to the tragedy, which is that we get this amazing view into ancient history, which is a cultural enrichment, a historic enrichment. Again, like certainly the two thousand people would argue not worth their lives, and I would argue not worth human lives either, because um, we would have been okay if we didn't know exactly what. Pompeii was like, you know, 2,000 years ago. Uh, on the other hand, they were going to oh, die on, anyway. come on. So anyway. People only lived to be like 25 back then. Jesus lived to be 33. Hey, yeah, well, I mean, he was the son of God. <laughs> so anyway, here's hoping we can keep restoring and preserving these sites so at least that little bit of a bright spot of this tragedy doesn't go away. Yeah, and that's pretty... Probably the least, and this obviously has nothing to do with what we just talk, talked about. Probably one of the, but it, it has something to do with it as far as historical preservation. Um, probably the thing that upsets me the most about the uh, most recent Iraq war, well, the one that we're still in, um, very early on, um, after Baghdad was taken over, they kind of didn't do any sort of martial law or anything. So one of the oldest museums in the world wow. was in Baghdad. And we're talking about a part of the earth that is very that, old. <laughs> that goes that is the beginnings yeah. of human civilization. Yeah. People fucking looted it. Yeah. And it's just like this is stuff that mm -hmm. things that are thousands of years old that right. you can you can't just go, oh no. we'll just go get another one. No. You know, and taking like rebar out of the freaking museum and it's yeah. But, and all that stuff's just gone. Mm-hmm. Gone. It's, it's either yeah. on, like, what you were saying, the uh, collector's black market yeah. or, you know. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the thing that I, I found really interesting about this tragedy. It was the first tragedy that was, like, this, 
I think this is the oldest tragedy we've covered. The oldest disaster. I think so. Yeah. I don't think we've ever gone back this far. And just the, like I said, kind of the, the weird upside of it. There is, I, I, I don't think that it was worth 2,000 people's lives. You might. I hope you are kidding. But <laughs> um, no, I, I was kidding. Okay, good. <laughs> but uh, but they were going to die anyway. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but the the idea. I mean that. I don't know. You know, like when we when you cover tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, you're basically just like looking for what could be a positive thing to come out of this, and like that's why we say things like, "Well, at least it happened fast," and you know, because. Because there's no bright side for the most part. So even when there's something that's a tiny bit beneficial, it's helpful. And this this is the first disaster where there was, like, something that was really awful for 2,000 people. The 2,000 people who died, plus all of the, obviously, their friends and family and, and the area as a whole and the loss of, of um, animals and agriculture and a lot of other things... The, the somewhat upside is that we have a, a very historically and culturally significant view into the past that hopefully can help us on some level. That, that's the thing about history. Like, hopefully on, help us on some level be better people or build better things or, or understand each other better. Like, because the purpose of the, the best served purpose of history is for it to have some connection to the present and yeah, some lesson and, for and, the present. and relevance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What are you looking up? There was this History Channel documentary I watched a long time ago, probably 10 years ago at least. It was specifically on Herculaneum. It had, didn't mm, do anything mm-hmm. on Pompeii. So I was looking for it on... Because it is really cool to see a lot of people in Herculaneum uh, because there, were, there was like a cave system there. I remember mm-hmm, that from okay. this documentary. So a lot of people just hid in the caves and got, like, um, once like, all those gases came down, yeah. they essentially just got either suffocated or just, like, kind of burned up in the gas. Yeah. yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I want to say it's this one. It's called Herculaneum, the other Pompeii. Okay. Because it's 58 minutes long, so. It was, like, an hour long. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't say it's from the History Channel. Okay. But, um. But there's plenty of stuff online. Oh, you know, God, yeah. There's, I mean, I just put in. I put in History Channel documentary about Mount Vesuvius, and there's a thousand things that that have come up. Um, But I was looking specifically for that one on Herculaneum that was really good. So this might be it. So anybody who's into, um, well, we obviously know Akshay. He's a geologist, so he's uh very much into history. He said he, uh, that was part of some of his studies was about Pompeii. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's a geology hotspot yeah. in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, they're still excavating it, yeah. so yeah. yeah. So that was the 79 CE, specifically, eruption of Mount Vesuvius. What does CE mean again? Because I always yeah. know it as AD. Yeah. So um, my understanding is that BC and AD were the original um, uh, like markers of, mm-hmm. of years, B.C. being commonly referred to as before, before Christ, Christ, and A.D. being uh, Anna Domini, Domini, yeah, year of our means, Lord. Which means, I thought it meant after death. No, year no? of our Lord, I oh, think. Okay. Anno means year, and Domini, Dominus is, is like God, yeah. So the year of our Lord. Just some weird Latin shit. Yeah. So that has been sort of, I mean, and, and that still definitely appears in a lot of things. B.C. and A.D. is still very commonly used. But there's been a shift to try and switch it to BCE and CE, CE being common era and BCE being before common era. So the idea that, yes, this is how we divided time, but trying to move it away from it having to do with God, basically, and Jesus. Hey, I'm all for that. Yeah, so. <laughs> so I, I, me too. But, and but, I, but I just, I, I've always known it as BC yep, and AD. Yep, it, it was definitely common <clears throat> when we were growing up. It, it's sort of shifting now. Um, I prefer to use it because, uh, again, I don't think that time should have to do with 
religion. And sure. But to just try and renumber everything would be ridiculous. Right. So I like that they came up with the term common era because, like, this is how we normally, you know, this is the common way to to split time. Yeah, because, because in China, but, it's like the year five thousand something. Or right. Whatever. They they have there are other yeah. other countries and religions and all sorts of things that have different calendars, but. Um, uh, also, it's like incorrect because Jesus wasn't born in zero, so it's 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 wrong. Even it's basically the church did it early on, and sure. so that's like what we always use, and it's a little stupid that we. Still well, use I mean, it. ultimately, we are in year four point four billion. Well, that's like, it's a little ridiculous as, to try. And yeah, <laughs> as, as far as best estimates are, are concerned about how old our Earth actually is, right. But no, I was I, I've heard the BCE and CE yeah. terms before. I just couldn't remember. Yeah. So before Common Era and, and Common, Common Era. Era. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. I, I have always wanted to go to Italy. It's in my. Mm-hmm. It's in my top five. Mm-hmm. And I would especially like to go to like the coasts because I've heard like the okay. southern coast of Italy is freaking gorgeous. Well, going and, to Naples would be. Yeah. Going to that area. And I. I I want to see this just for my own eyes. I, you know what? I have no problem with seeing it. I do feel I would feel really bad going just for the me experiencing this is taking a little bit of it away. Like that is erasing a little bit of it. It's eroding. Yeah. It. It's, it, yeah. My presence is is wearing this place down. That that seems a little like a lot of places. Your presence isn't messing it up. You know, it's it's not eroding. It's not yeah, but this would be one place where it is a little more significant. So I would feel a little. I would feel a little like oh, that kind of sucks. I'm maybe I'm the idealist of the group. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean I well I didn't know, like like when you started talking about, um, things just once they get unearthed go through a whole different process of, you know, because they're not preserved anymore. Right. Um, So I never never really thought of that. It's almost like we need some sort of 3D sonar. Oh, I'm sure they have it. Yeah. Yeah. But but again, they're underfunded, so who knows if they're able to use it. You know, to just just map out the whole thing and let it stay or something. But that's a weird catch-22 also because it's like, you can either keep it preserved and no one ever sees it. Sure. Or you can unearth it, but it's only going to last for so long. Sure. It's so it's so interesting. That I find very interesting. It's like a very odd um, catch-22. Yeah. Same thing with the, it was terrible for the people who died, but it's also historically, like, there's a weird, there's like two sides to this mm-hmm. tragedy that's I find very interesting. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> well, that was uh, the eruption of Mount Vesuvius and the coinciding destruction of Pompeii and Herculaneum. Mm-hmm. And I would say historically, probably the most famous volcano eruption. Probably. Probably. Uh, Mount St. Helens. Mount St. Helens. Helens also very but that's only because it's very recent. Fair that enough. was in 1980, Something 81. Like that. Um, I, it only killed, like, well, only. But it only killed like a dozen people. I, I don't know. I have um, not researched it yet. I, I have read about it. Oh, that, that would be oh. a good topic. Mm. Volcanic eruptions are... They're... Rare. That cause this much damage. Well, I mean, there were the ones in Hawaii recently. That was the, a big thing. Those are still going on. Yeah? Yeah, that's true. Well, Hawaii is a volcano. Oh, fair. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, it was built by volcanic activity. But, uh... But yeah, well, maybe one day Mount St. Helens. Who knows? Oh, um, yes. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to that. that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that one eventually. We've got a long list. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. That's only growing longer every day. <laughs> <laughs> every day. Every day. So, again, this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.